The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Recently, you might have seen news of a new and very exciting accelerator called Kokori. Aimed at increasing the support and pathways for Māori entrepreneurship, it took 100 applicants to land 10 placements on a rigorous four-month programme. Over half the class of 2018 attracted investment, and the ideas ranged from medicinal cannabis with the pledge-me internet-breaking Hikarangi Enterprises, The Realness, a way to find owner-operated restaurants from some of the Coco's Cantina crew that we've had up on the show, and a very cool idea for turning Didymo, Rocksnot, into dollars. It's a partnership between Callaghan, Te Wānanga o Aotearoa and Creative HQ, and it's involved mentoring, workshops, a hub in Hamilton, and a lot of learnings about how to foster Māori entrepreneurship and increase participation for ideas to become businesses. Aroha Armstrong, the Group Manager for Māori Economy at Callaghan, joins me now to talk Kokri, her entrepreneurship journey, and fostering great ideas. Kia ora, thank you very much for joining us. Kia ora, Simon. Hey, so your background is actually in entrepreneurship yourself. Tell me about your journey. <laughs> that ancient history journey of my entrepreneurial side. Yeah, I mean, I guess I fell into it as a, as a young mum. I'd left my career um, in the National Screening Unit, actually. Um, and I'd just had a baby and wasn't coping very well with being at home alone with a baby. And I think I just fell into business just to give myself something to do and a way out from feeling rather isolated as a new mum. What, what was that first business? Yummy Mummy, <laughs> Yummy Mummy, of course it was, because <laughs> I was with my sister-in-law. We were both young mums and we thought we'd have a little bit of fun with it and not get too serious. Probably started off as more as a hobby. It was. It actually began as a belly cast, a body casting for pregnant mums. Um, and before the internet, before social media was, was even a thing, um, we just got into the... It went, viral on the newspapers. It's how long ago it was. We got into the Herald and with our big belly cast with Māori designs everywhere and these two young mums with babies on their hips and we kind of just took off by accident. It became a business by accident. What was the idea there? You thought you had the baby and you thought, wow, I wish I had a cast of myself when yeah, I was and Hapu, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's, well, we were just think we just thought it was fun and we did it for, we had one baby and then another, we both were pregnant at the same time with another one on the way and started experimenting and they were pretty cool, I've got to say. They were great art pieces and, and we sold a lot of them. Um, 
It must be yeah. quite an interesting kind of experience to have for the customer as well, like quite an intimate kind of record and yeah. putting someone into the, the cast. Well, I guess when I think about it, what we were doing was what we call now customer empathy. Like we really understood mums. We really understood where they were going through and, and how to connect with them. And um, that was just the beginning. We branched off into manufacturing DIY kits and because we were experimenting with things like fiberglass and um, resin, resin actually became something we gravitated to probably because we were told that women shouldn't be mucking around with scientific chemicals in the kitchen, um, which came from a scientist, actually. <laughs> so we started working with resin um, <laughs> and actually loved it so much. We branched in. We, we um, realised that we weren't making as much money as we wanted with that business, so we let that go and branched into manufacturing um, contemporary Māori jewellery out of plastic, which was a little bit controversial at the time. What, what was the what was the controversy? So at that time we rebranded to Too Luscious. We wanted to get away from this young mum kind mm. of thing um, and rebranded. And it was controversial for a couple of reasons. One, we kind of ripped off the Air New Zealand ticky <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> changed it enough so we didn't get in trouble. But mm. we kind of liked it. Kiwi Kitch wasn't quite in yet, so our timing was pretty great. Um, and we just used the Air New Zealand tiki, but made it in fluorescent yellow and crazy pinks, and um, it just went mad. It took off. Yeah. So How did they fun. like cultural appropriation going both ways? Yeah, well, exactly. But then well, we, we did that both ways too. We had cultural appropriation going that way, and then we branched into some really intensively um, our cultural taonga, and we were producing those in bright colours. And not everyone liked that either, but a lot of people did like that, and um, we sold a lot. I mean, we had to start an online shopping cart because, I mean, I think we, my sister-in-law and I were talking about, God, we would have smashed it if we'd had Instagram back then. Yeah. But we just didn't. Internet was um, a reasonably new thing, and getting an online shopping cart was expensive and hard and all of that stuff. But we did it. It was awesome. But, yeah, both those things seem... <laughs> Perfectly made for the Instagram world. They were. It's just that Instagram wasn't made yet. We were a bit before our time. But um. <laughs> and, and then after after running through both of those um, programs and and kind of you know I imagine along the way as um, young mums, especially when you mention kind of scientists saying you shouldn't be using these materials, that that must have been quite an interesting journey as an entrepreneur, like um, having to get out there and kind of um, be able to do what you want without worrying about people saying you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I, I kind of think that is the journey of an entrepreneur. You're always doing something that someone thinks is a dumb idea or that someone can't really see why you're doing it or thinks it's not going to make money. And um, Because generally as an entrepreneur, you're doing something that's not out there yet. Um, so you, you do face a lot of criticism and it does take something to kind of rise above that and just keep going and thinking, knowing in your heart that you've got a good idea and that you think you can do something with it is quite... Um, normal, I think, for a, for someone up to stuff. And, and after those two kind of like brand new ideas, um, real innovations, you took over like a, a big kind of commercial space and made a Playland kind of thing. <laughs> what, what was what was that like? P Playtopia, which was a really big institution, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it really was, and it was a big challenge. Um, and part of the reason that we did that, so that was so my first the first two businesses were with one sister in law, and that second one was with another sister in law. So Tawa Armstrong and I were first business partners, and Missy Armstrong and I were second. Um, everyone told us don't go into business with your family, and um, I totally disagree. I thought mm. we had a great great time and when things get hard man you've got your family and your sister-in-law next to you it uh, makes makes the uh, what could be a lonely and scary journey just a little bit 
better when you've got family next to you. Um, the Probably with Playtopia, I just thought that my journey in business, that nobody would hire me. I thought that that wasn't a real job and I thought that um, people wouldn't value the skills I'd accumulated. And three children later, I thought if I went back to work, I calculated out how much it would cost me in childcare um, for holidays and after school and I would be pretty much working for childcare. <clears throat> yeah, just, just just working in order to not spend time with your family. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that just led us to another business where we thought, well, um, I may as well continue on my business journey while I can have my kids at work and provide support for other mums. And this, I, I think it all comes back to understanding other mothers and um, kind of creating what we needed and what the gap that we saw in the marketplace at that time was we were in the zone with kids and needed high quality, good childcare that was affordable and that's what we created. And, and where was that? T- tell us about uh, the, the Playtopia business. So it was in Rotorua which is, um, you know, it's a, it can be um, an interesting place to do business, a, a difficult place to do business. Um, and we basically bought a, a, a rundown old pile of play equipment um, and recreated it into um, a se- what were we thinking? A seven day a week, a 365 day a year business that was relentless and awesome. Uh, we became the Bay's biggest um, Oscar provider and over 100 kids at a time. Um, we did pretty extraordinary things too. I think we were a little bit disruptive. We just we kind of annoyed some of the existing franchises. <clears throat> Had a few threats actually, but we did disrupt some of their pricing models and how people did business. And we did some cool things with our kids. High helicopter, we took them on a helicopter because we had a mix of quite high decile kids and really low decile kids. And we wanted them to have a great holiday and to expose them to things. We did business plans, we did all sorts of we had famous people coming in, we shot music videos. It was pretty, I'm pretty proud of that business, but it was. That, that's hard. so cool. And that five year journey, I mean, <laughs> Having run the two businesses before that, you must have had to learn how to be, you know, like every business owner, the accountant, the marketing manager, the logistics boss and stuff. But with, um, you know, that kind of scale of business with uh, that many kids and uh, government um, regulations and uh, oh, you know, or, or, uh, commercial leases and the like, how did you upskill along the way and what kind of things did you find supported you on your journey as an oh. entrepreneur? Well, I mean, <clears throat> it's an interesting question. You, you actually don't know. You have, if, I think if you knew what you were about to head into, if you really knew the reality of it, it would probably, you'd balk a little bit. Yeah. And I think we probably got in there and went, wow, oh, okay. We did a lot of research to get in there. We, we knew what we were up to, but it was still surprising the level of things that we had to learn and do and be. Um, and we learned some of those the hard way, um, and some of those we were lucky we had support to do. Um, TPK was running a great um, business mentoring program at that time, which allowed us access to an accountant that helped us with all our financial forecasting and understanding systems and taxes and things like that, which was a massive help to us. Mm. Um, But one of the barriers that we had was that we weren't taken seriously by the banks. We had a good business plan. We were lucky we had assets in our, as, as personal assets, we had homes, which wouldn't be so for, for a number of people yeah. starting a business. But we were only able to borrow half of what we needed to run a good business. So that meant we were. it took us two years to get to where we should have been in the first year if we'd had the right amount of um, resources. So it just meant we were doing everything yeah. ourselves and working really hard. But, you know, you just get on with it. You just have to. What else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and now, like, um, to have moved from those roles... Uh, 
where being your own entrepreneur, you then stepped into kind of the general mentoring space and and helping people. How did how did that happen, and what was the what was the decision there after five uh, years of taking something from zero to a hundred? I guess I mean I think um, possibly right throughout that journey, I think we kind of attracted, uh, or maybe we just put out there that. I mean, if those two can, if those guys can do it, we can do it. So I guess we attracted a lot of other Māori women um, because they saw a little piece of themselves in us, mm. and we it was like um, we normalised or made it possible for people to think about starting a business themselves. And I think a perfect example of um, what happened with Playtopia was when we had kids coming in. There was always from our Māori kids this: "Are you guys the bosses?" They kept mm. thinking that someone else was the boss. And over time, after they'd been with us for some time, people they would walk into another business. We'd take them to, say, Skyline Skyrides or somewhere cool like that. And they would spot a Māori woman behind the counter and go, oh, is this your place? Mm. And that was what we wanted to really achieve for our, our young kids was this thought that anyone can be anything and that you can be the boss. You don't have to just be, mm. you know, if the you, person at the other end. If you can, <laughs> If you can see it, you can... Be it, and I, I also imagine like if you're there helping a lot of the families of these kids be able to you know put their time into work and stuff while looking after their kids, you're kind of a partner on a lot of other people's uh, growth journeys oh, yes. as well and oh, business yes. journeys. Yeah, yeah, and we're still firm friends with a lot of those people. But probably one of the things I think my sister-in-law and I are both the proudest um, of that business is that. Um, we hired other Māori women with kids because it was a job that they could do when they had, as, particularly as solo mums, but not everyone was solo. Um, but we've had a number of those um, ex-staff members create their own businesses, and I think that is um, truly um, something to be proud of is when you can help other people in their journey to you know, decide their own destiny, I guess. Cool. Mm. And, and what about this? Um, because your current role now with um, with Callahan Innovation, um, looking after the Māori economy programs, what kind of things from your journey as an entrepreneur have been really helpful for you to be able to help other entrepreneurs uh, in in their kind of um, yeah yeah as they're trying to put the railway tracks in front of them? Yeah, well, I guess that's the um, the cool thing about Callaghan Innovation, actually, and probably part of the reason I gravitated there. Um, I didn't actually think I'd end up in a government department, to be honest. Um, but I think one of the reasons is, I mean, Callaghan Innovation, the whole reason we exist, we're New Zealand's business innovation agency, and we're there to help New Zealand businesses. We want people to grow, we want to help people with their ideas. We have a range of um, scientists and tech, you know technicians that can help people achieve their ideas. We want people to grow, we help them with innovation skills, R&D funding, all of that stuff. But I think what I notice the most is that a lot of our customer managers and people that work there have been on that journey too. So we have this level of empathy for the entrepreneur that um, I think is quite unique and special. It means that when businesses come to us, they feel like we understand um, the journey that they're on and how difficult it can be and that we really go into bat with an understanding of, of the journey that they're in. Um, and I think that's that's my passion as I feel like um, I understand. I might not have taken taken a business global, but the journey's the same. The journey's the same. The, the risk, the fear, the excitement, um, doing something no one else does so you don't quite know the answer is um, it's it's. It's different. You have to be a certain kind of guy or girl. <laughs> and, and I guess the compromise as well between kind of ideal world, like this is how things should be, and how things actually can be because of all of the other pressures and busyness and things. And so, yeah, kind of um, helping people achieve the most they can. 
Yeah, that, I mean that's that's I think why we do what why all of us do what we do. It is about helping. I think all of us have a sense of purpose that we're we are by helping business owners and by helping entrepreneurs, and by helping people use technology and invest in tech and, and R and D and start owning some of that, um, owning the solutions to the world that we can really make a, a dent. We can really take this country somewhere, and I think that's that's. I, I believe that. I yeah. believe our businesses are the answer. Yeah. And as a country, we kind of um, traditionally have underinvested in R&D and we've underinvested in professional development and, you know, our productivity hasn't lifted. And it's these kind of things that help it. But if you take those stats and bring them down to the Māori and Pacifica parts of the economy, it's even worse, you oh, know. Yeah. So it's a, um, it's, it's a really big uh, task and a, a, a big big role for you in the whole economy, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah, you think you go into a government department and you'll have this set of resources and it's going to be yeah. easy, but um, I've found it's just like running a business. You uh, always you never have enough to do what you want to do, and so you've got to be creative and come up with ways that you can shift um, a whole economy, the Māori economy, um, with with not a lot. Um, but that's that's the game that we're playing, and I think. Um, I guess what I gravitate to is the potential. So yes, we might be a little bit more, but might be a little bit behind. But we've got some good stuff, and I think um, one of the things that I love about the Māori economy, and it's, it's a little bit conceited, but I'll say it anyway. I just feel like the world's finally caught up to the Māori way of doing business. You know, we've got a social conscious. We always consciousness has always been part of what we do and how we do business and how we operate. Sustainability, environmental um, concerns, all of that, and giving back to our people is just how we do business and it's nice that the world's caught up and that we can yeah, consumers yeah. are now demanding what we've always known is the way to do it mm. yeah with with you know the the triple bottom line um, <laughs> but but also the long-term thinking and I think like um there's some really interesting things with especially uh with iwi having um become larger and larger kind of participants in the economy and having the long-term term view and investing here becoming larger forces in the economy too yeah, we're, uh, we are a very, very significant contributor to, the, to New Zealand's economy. Um, but um, I think the thing that we underestimate is the impact that we have um, on our communities, not just our Māori communities. If we are solving our own problems as communities, we are literally giving the country a, a leg up. Um, I think there's more to be done. Like I think um, the whole country is a little bit comfortable because we've got this great resource. Um, we tend to rely on our primary assets and we do tend to do things the way that we've always done them. And I think there is a challenge for us to step outside and embrace a bit of um, our Maui tanga, I suppose, um, our ability to take risks, think about different ways of doing things, solve a problem and using new tools and the things that are, are available to us. And I think that's tr so for not just Māori, but, but New Zealand as a whole. We need to kind of start thinking, what are we going to risk? How much are we comfortable risking to do something different and, tra and transformative? And technology is the new tool that's available to us. We don't have to understand it. We just have to know that it's there and it can help solve a problem. And um, that's the exciting part. It's, it's super exciting. Yeah. Well, what are some of the initiatives that you've been able to get up and going at Callaghan? Because there was um, there's that fantastic programme, um, like you were saying before, one of the coolest things uh, from Playtopia was showing the children uh, what what's happening when Māori um, woman can be the boss. <laughs> what what's the Rangitahi programme? So we did this a couple of years ago. Now it was called. We did. Um, it was Amua Ao, and it's an example of what can happen when you have two government agencies willing to kind of do something a little bit different. So we partnered with New Zealand uh, NZQA, 
and ourselves, and we had a ridiculous plan to take 100 rangatahi to Silicon Valley, and um, we did. We took 100 kids, and it, it, there's, I think the thing with any pilot is you start off with an idea and you, you, you roll it out and you make it happen. It was amazing in lots of aspects, and we learn a lot of lessons. Um, but taking young people anywhere is is a lesson in opening your eyes to what's possible. They just soak it all up like a big sponge. It's almost like they weren't there because it just becomes part of their natural way of thinking. Um, they just got there and just understood the world was theirs for the taking and they just, they've just they come home and some of the um, rangatahi that we took literally have started their own businesses mm. and are CEOs of their own platform connecting youth with employment. Like it, it, it's, it's unreal stuff. Um, they've impacted their own schools to offer better STEM subjects for, for their own communities. Like they're extraordinary kids. Um, and that's where yeah. the, the pathways start with the young and then through kind of, um, it's been interesting to see how you've built out the kind of um, stages with Dig My Idea and um, now Kokori. What's kind of the journey there through through Dig My Idea? Okay, so if if I just take it back to the Rangatahi program, I guess the journey with that is, as we started it, um, we realised it was an amazing thing to do, but also that we probably weren't the right people to deliver that as government departments and government agencies. There were things we could enable and help, but we probably weren't the best pe- people to continue that on. And so I guess the good thing about it is that you can grow something, try something, pilot something, and then give that on and, and, and hope that if it's good enough, the community will pick it up and mm. keep delivering it and we can just help enable that and it will go where it needs to go because it's going to be delivered by someone who understands where it needs to be. Mm. So Amua Ao, that programme is now being delivered by Puhoro STEM Academy, which is New Zealand, well, it's the world's largest Indigenous STEM Academy um, and has been amazingly successful at engaging our Māori into STEM subjects where our mainstream schools aren't that successful. Fantastic. And Dig My Idea is a little bit the same. We, um, as an agency, partnered in with a, a programme to bring our expertise and, and our support in. So last year um, we delivered Dig My Idea um, alongside ATED and Te Wānango Aotearoa. And it was a fantastic. The whole idea is to create the space for people to try something and step out of their comfort zone. So that was like a people, you know, young people with an idea could come and incubate it over a weekend. And the winner of that, and last year, uh, was it last year? Two years ago, um, actually, we came through the Corkety Accelerator program. So that's the whole pipeline. You start something up and hope that it gives the space for people to to grow and and be even more awesome. <laughs> yeah, what was the idea that led you to start um, that, that that led Callahan to start the Corkety Accelerator program? Okay, so. Um, the reason we started Kōkiri Accelerator as Callaghan um, was the fact that we've got a range of awesome, cool accelerators and incubators around the country, and Māori participation in those are exceedingly low, much, much lower than you would think for an entrepreneurial community. So we realised that we needed to try something to increase that participation. So that's when Kōkiri was born, and we, we kind of realised that it couldn't look exactly the same as existing models because they weren't attracting our people. So that's where it came from. We decided that we wanted uh, um, to deliver something that was attractive for Māori and actually took into account our our measures of success and our Māori worldview and our way of doing business. A, A traditional accelerator tends to focus on a 
it even has a theme, like you'll have a certain type of business, it'll be a SaaS platform or something, a lightning lab that's around power. You have a very um, small, um, a focused approach, and it's totally focused on on going on profit. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's getting capital, it's getting investment ready. Um, so and, and short term, short term exits as well. Like, and even if it's ten years. That's still short term yeah. in kind of the Maori economy. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. And so the the, the unique thing about the um, Kōkiri Accelerator is that it we were able to encourage or um, acknowledge that measures of success could be simply a sustainable business, creating employment in a community, um, all of those sorts of things that may not just be about your your bottom line. Yeah, that, that's really interesting because I um I chatted um with uh, Mariana from One Centre and she was saying that one of the interesting um, changes uh, in iwi investment is it's always been um, kind of the mandate uh, had been around very traditional, safe kind of primary investments. And now um, the, the idea was the very small proportion of um, assets to start investing in tech. And so it was a journey for both the investment committees and the iwi plus the new generation of entrepreneurs. So I guess every business you start is is taking a whole community around them uh, and exposing them to tech. It really, really is. And it's something that we're picking up reasonably rapidly. So I think if we look at the rise of tech businesses, like Māori tech businesses in the um, last year's tin, I, I think it was like 90, but they generated $93 million alone just in the, the, the ones that, that were kind of on the radar at that time. Um, but we're seeing a massive influx. So I'm seeing in our role as um, in Callaghan Innovation, I'm seeing that we've had a 20% increase in the number of customers that are ready for our services because we deal with usually um, R&D performers. But a lot of those that are coming through are early and late stage digital slash tech startups. And that's a super exciting space for us. And a lot of them are coming in with iwi support. So there's a listening or a um, comfort happening with, with um, investing in those sorts of things, which is great, great. And so what, what was the actual kind of outline of, of Kokiri? Because it's just um, just concluded recently and there were, there were 10. Um, what was the kind of, because uh, there was a range of businesses, what, what, were the, what were you looking for in your participants? Um, I guess we were looking for the range. Um, so one of the things that we should note is that, the, yes, there were 100 participants and there were probably, you know, 20 of those that could have, cracked it in, an, in a mainstream accelerator. They just hadn't been there, um, which is interesting, right, because they don't go. So we had 100 businesses, and choosing that final 10 was so, so difficult. And one of the beautiful moments um, on the pat, we were on the, during the day when those final 10 were being selected, we noticed that um, the participants who were coming into pitch, there were only there were 20 participants, 10, 10 spots, and we noticed in the waiting room that they were coming together, talking about their businesses, giving each other advice, practicing on each other's pitches and, and like advising them on how they could do better. And we knew in that moment that that was a magical thing that doesn't normally happen and that the the accelerator was going to be different and cool just on that basis that these people were coming in already with a sense of connection and, and trying to help each other. It was just, it was, it was pretty, pretty fantastic. But we, we were looking um, for that range. So we've, we had your, traditional SaaS platforms and we had your social enterprises and it was it's it's a pretty difficult um, accelerator to put together when you're looking after all of those different types of businesses all at once but they, they pulled it off. And what kind of um, mentorship and guardrails and um, kind of uh, 
milestones along the way did you put in as well? I think probably it's 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 really important for me here to acknowledge that Te Wānanga o Aotearoa was mm. leading and designing that programme with help from Creative HQ. Uh, Robert Hollis was on there, uh, was part of that journey. We had Crow Horworth, Iwai Tahi. So with all of the that kind of support and knowledge and, and they kind of surrounded themselves with some really smart people that created a, a unique programme. And I think the unique part of the programme was the fact that most accelerators are based in a city. This one, we had people coming from all around the country and we did it Wananga style. So they decided that they'd go, ran for four months. You'd come in for one whole week, once a month, all together, and you'd live together, basically. Um, study together, go hard, and then go back out to your families and communities for the, for the rest of the three weeks and continue your homework or connecting using technology mm-hmm. over that three weeks, which is different. Um, but the, the mentors that came in were f- fabulous. All the people that, that pitched in to make this work were, it was an extraordinary journey. Mm-hmm. And along the way, while, while it was in train, a few of the participants had some really big wins, hey, with oh, um, uh, attracting investment. And Hikurangi are a really great one to kind of <laughs> mention here. Like, they, they broke the internet. They crashed PledgeMed's servers multiple times on their way to getting one of the most uh, successful crowdfunding, um, uh, equity crowdfunding raises ever. Ever, ever. And it all happened while they were on the programme. And they had to cut it off because they just, I mean, they could have just kept going. They had to, they had to put an end to it because it was just, it was just going a little bit mental. And I mean, the beautiful thing is that so much of, they offered it to their community first. So the first years went to their community. And I mean, their vision is to create high value jobs and wealth in their own community, which um, is, you know, that's the social enterprise part of what they're doing. But we, I mean, and they're, they're the New Zealand's first, you know, medical cannabis trial it's it's pretty fantastic but we're looking um at the other work that they're doing too they're, they're looking at a range of bioactives and fungi and other medicinal um medicinal plants so we're, we're keeping a good eye on on Hikur- i mean it's fabulous what they're up to and and what, what so that they've become kind of the one of the really big names out of the um, program what were some other um businesses in there that really thrived oh there's it's so hard. I mean, to to even pick one. Um, there's there, and there's such a range. So we've got Biome, and that is um, a young, very young man from Ngaitahu who has figured out how to dredge the Didimo snot out of our um, rivers and turn it into like a biodegradable plastic. So you can make. I don't know picnic wear out of it if you like. You can make almost anything out of it. He's he's patented the process of how you can do that and it's pretty fabulous I think he has um, signed a deal with Ethique which is the the brand of bottleless shampoos and things to create their you know the casings for their um, solid shampoos and things that's that's, um, such a cool way to come at a problem like there's too much of this in the rivers Maybe if we made it a valuable asset, people would get it out. Oh, no, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bananas. And and then we've got the realness. I mean, everyone, I mean, Coco's Cantina is amazing and Damaris Coulter is amazing. And her passion for helping the little guy, she's um, created a platform that is allowing people, discerning um, consumers to find real producers that are, you know, one-man bands or, or people that are owner-operators and really doing high-quality things. And 
not having to and cutting through all the mass of kind of mass marketing and um, <laughs> franchises. She's really sticking it to the man, and I love it. I love her passion and enthusiasm. I, lo- I love her <laughs> insight that the wisdom of the crowd can be a bit dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if it's just mass taste, things that have kind of boutique specialist kind of personality idiosyncratic offerings. People just won't get it. And so then the mass will kind of like vote it down on things like TripAdvisor and um, Zomato and stuff. But um, yeah, if you have a place just for people who do have boutique tastes, they can thrive. Oh, and, and she was amazing. Like, I mean, I think probably one of the things about the Corkity Accelerator that was totally unique was the amount of time and energy that the um, participants had for each other. So Coco rang up Jacinda the Prime Minister, and she said, hey, do you want to come to breakfast with everyone? And she just rocked up, had breakfast with the whole Kōkere crew at Coco's Cantina, and, um, you know, she's she's a star, man. I, I think, look out for Damaris. I actually think something real big's coming with the realness. Um, I, I, I've, I've got, I think we should keep an eye out for, for whatever might be coming with her, because she's up to stuff. That's so And so coming out of that programme, you've, um, at the, the, the 10 that have come through, Half, more than half, attracted kind of funding, which is uh, a, a really great result for any um, kind of accelerator mm-hmm. program, isn't it? And 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 what what are the next steps now? So um, it's finished. Um, wh- where is it sitting at the moment, and 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 what happens next? Okay, so um, I guess that's another thing. The it was a little bit different to all accelerators, and that most accelerators have a demo day at the end, where everyone's pitching and trying to find capital. All our guys had attracted the capital while they were on the programme. They hadn't even finished it, and what they needed to get, they got during the programme. So the demo day was a little bit different. They were basically showcasing what they'd gotten through the accelerator to family and friends and um, mm. investors who probably didn't couldn't invest because they'd already got what they needed. So what happens next with them is that all of them have got a business that is has gotten I think the Wananga did an amazing job of profiling some of the great um, participants that we had. We had Maireo who's doing games and um, Māori apps for millennials we've got um, we've got a kudos which is literally going to go um, he's going they're going global with their awards management software cloud-based platform we've got moving pros also able to go global um, we've got origin soft software that is a traceability um, platform for the honey um, network for for the honey industry is that, is that a blockchain thing? I think so. Yeah, well, that's that's so cool. Like, so they can go. You can go from B to, you know, your jar in China. You've got that full traceability platform. I mean, we've got some top-notch businesses that have come the, through. What was the gamifying Tereo one? Gamifying Tereo. So Mario, new um, in Huntley-based, um, family-based um, business coming through the accelerator. They literally came from, I wish I could do this for my job. To this is now my job. He is. Um, employing people in their community and they are creating apps that encourage millennials, it's for millennials but that means it's good for everybody right to learn to deal through games, through apps, they are they are smashing it, it is, they are one mighty or they're, they're ones to watch also So there's this great kind of like group of businesses who I'll bet are already kind of paying it forward and like you know through their example helping people lift, um, is, is this kind of a, a, a sign of a program that's likely to continue or are yeah. there other kind of um, do you think that the 90 people who went through the program who weren't able to place this round now feel that other accelerators could be for them? Or yeah, I totally think so. So um, with any pilot, you learn your lessons and not everything's perfect. Um, 
I think that's been a, a big success. I'm sure there'll be lessons and changes. It may not look the same, but I'm hoping that we will be able to deliver another one. It still, it will be being evaluated so that all the lessons that need to be learnt will be learnt. I already know that participants who didn't make it through to the Kōkere, I mean, I think we had two go on into mainstream accelerators. I think it gave them the confidence mm. to move on and try um, other accelerators. Um, and I think for all of the participants that came through Kōkere, um, most of them will come back through the rest of the innovation ecosystem. So they'll come back through Callaghan Innovation. Some of them already have and are engaging with some of our R&D grants and our, some of our programmes and services that will help them go even further. So that's that's already happening. That Some of them are working alongside NZTE and helping them move into export markets. Some of them are engaging with TPK and becoming mentors themselves. I mean, CECOM's another one that I haven't mentioned. They've de- developed an MVP of the world's first sign language gaming game that helps you sign. So we've got some massive successes. I'd be totally disappointed if it didn't continue. Um, I'm sure it's, it will. it's kind of cool like, just to let people know that there is help there if they look for it as well. Like often people don't know that maybe people think, oh, I'm not a big enough business or I'm not a fancy enough business or, you know, I'm not not selling the latest cool product or, you know, blockchain or whatever. But there's an enormous amount of help out there if people do get in touch with agencies and even their local kind of like, um, like ATEED have a whole lot of things for Aucklanders and even at a regional level, people's councils have a lot of going. There is a lot of help, but to be completely honest, it is confusing. It is very confusing for our entrepreneurs and businesses to navigate the space. It's all over the place. And often I think the gap is that you you don't know the right questions to ask to get to where you need to get in an easy way. It's often you get bounced around different agencies before you find the right place. It's something that we in Callaghan Innovation are hoping to do better, is to connect that ecosystem better. So no matter who comes through our doors, we should be able to have a meaningful interaction and be able to send them to the right place at the right time for them and their business. Um, but we, yeah, like, like our job as the innovation agency is to connect people at the right time to services. And, and we've got a huge range of people within our um, own agency, but we also have good networks with the others that we should be helping our entrepreneurs and our businesses and organisation who are looking to invest in tech and do something different. We sh- there's, there's a lot there to help them. Is there a message for anyone listening, you know, who maybe has an idea and, and wonders if there's more they could be doing? <laughs> Well, um, ideas are good. So this is, these are the words. I'm totally pinching this from Rebecca. Ideas are good, but action is where it's at. So if you've got an idea and you're really thinking about it and you actually want to take some action, um, it's an idea is one thing. Taking it to reality takes something and you have to be kind of prepared to go on the journey. But if you're on the journey and you're really, you really believe in it, the help, the, there is help there. So... I just think the the real advice is to talk to as many people as you can about it. Pick everybody's brains and um, and just get into it and ask questions. I think the big learning from Corkity Accelerator it's it's nothing new, but what I saw was the power of people helping people. Um, even though um, if we look at the Corkity Accelerator, Accelerator, everyone was on a startup journey, but what they got and learnt from each other was amazing. And um, I believe too that in this country we have a habit of kind of bumming each other out. The power really is in not bumming each other out, but really going out there to uplift each other and um, and help each other out when they're sharing their journeys and, and their ideas and, and just going hell for leather to try and, try and help each other to be successful. I think that's really the message. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, coming today and sharing some of the work that you're up to um, looking after uh, Māori economy at Callaghan Innovation. That's Aroha Armstrong. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Simon. Thank you to Alice Webber-Dell for producing. Uh, and if you do have an idea that's of interest, keep a lookout for the next round of Kokiri, uh, which, fingers crossed, will be coming. And, uh, yeah, get in touch with Callaghan Innovation. Uh, if you do have an idea, if you want to start doing some R&D, uh, if you have a dream to export, there's a lot of help out there. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. Brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.